Amen. So join me and pray this after me. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. Now downstairs when we talk about listening and hearing, I always make the kids grab their ears. So can you grab your ears, right? This is just to remind you that you really want to hear the word of the Lord today, right? So we're in this series on uh, In Season Bearing Good Fruit, and we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit that Adonai desires our life to produce. We were blessed on Shavuot and continue to be blessed as we were away last weekend. We, we thank Reen and Evan, they weren't here, but we thanked you last weekend. We thank you that you're here uh, for filling in uh, while we were away along with the rest of the leadership. Uh, but one of the things that was shared several times as we gathered with Messianic leaders from our, our denomination is the emphasis on the Ruach, that we need to make the Ruach a priority in our lives. And we concurred with that sentiment. And that's why, you know, we count the Omer expecting a, a new fresh impartation on Shavuot. And God met us here wonderfully. And we want to walk in step with him every day of our lives. We prayed on Thursday as Gary led us for an outpouring of the Ruach in greater measure with signs and wonders. But besides that, there is fruit that should be evident in our life because we need to bear his fruit. Amen? And this, this fruit is just as important, or dare I say, maybe even more important than the signs and wonders, because the fruit uh, will be an example to the world around us. So we're reading from Galatians chapter 5. I'm just reading the last two verses of our text, verse 22 and 23 today. But the fruit of the spirit of the Ruach is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control. Nothing in the Torah stands against such things. So we already talked about love and joy, and as Evan announced, my focus today is going to be on the fruit of Shalom. Remember, fruit is a natural product of our connection to the Ruach and abiding in the vine who is Yeshua. Okay, my husband knew that. Who is the vine? You're right, we talked about that last week. I know you knew that. So bearing the fruit of peace when things are out of control or not going the way we expected reflects our trust and hope and our faith, as Gary was encouraging, in Adonai and in Yeshua and that connection to him. So one article stated, one could well believe that love, joy, and peace, the first three of the fruit, formed a triad in the language of the early Kehillah like faith, hope, and love in 1 Corinthians 13. He goes on to describe how Yeshua used these three words in one of his last teachings to his Talmudim, recorded for us in the book of Yochanan, when he encouraged them that he would give them, give them his peace in Yochanan chapter 14, that they should abide in his love in Yochanan 15, and that he expressed his desire that they would know his joy also in Yochanan 15. So seeing the three things connected together, love, joy, and peace. All of these fruits are really interdependent on one another. You can't have one without the other. They complement each other and they overlap each other, in, in fact. So it's one fruit with nine expressions and we need to have all of them active in our lives. So when we explore the Greek meaning, uh, the word, meaning of the Greek word for peace, 
When you look outside of the New Covenant and you look in uh, the ancient Greek world, you find that really the concept of peace in the Greek world was uh, a time of peace or you know, ceasing of war. It really had nothing to do with relationship or an attitude, but the state of peace without war. That's not the connotation or meaning behind the Hebrew word shalom. Neither is it the meaning behind the word peace in the uh, New Covenant. Uh, if you do a thorough search of the use of peace in the New Covenant, you will see that the New Covenant writers are really applying peace in much the same way that the writers of the Tanakh did with the Hebrew word shalom, which makes sense because the New Covenant writers and be uh, believers were all Jewish, right? Or faith in the first century was from a Jewish context. So with that in, in mind, I want us to explore just briefly the whole meaning of the word shalom. Shalom is such a common word. Uh, in uh, Judaism and in Israel, you say shalom when you meet someone. You say shalom when you uh, leave someone. But there's such a richness of meaning. It's not just a greeting or a, a, a goodbye. It's full of rich meaning that God wants us to understand so that we could experience it in our lives. So there's a rabbi from Houston, Texas, who uh, really showed the distinctions between the Roman, who were, the Romans were in uh, control in the time of the New Covenant, but they still carried the Greek language. So the Roman Greek concept of peace versus the Hebrew concept of, sh uh, of shalom. So if the Roman thought that peace could be dictated, while shalom in the Hebrew is a mutual agreement. Peace is a temporary pact in the Roman world. Shalom is a permanent agreement. One can make a peace treaty in the Roman world, while shalom is the condition of peace. Peace can be negative or the absence of commotion, but shalom is positive, the presence of serenity. Peace can be partial, but shalom is whole. And then he finished by saying peace can be piecemeal, P-I-E-C-E, but shalom is complete. So just that little explanation by that rabbi shows a great distinction between uh, the use of peace in the Roman Greek world and that of the Hebraic mindset. So hearing a little bit more about the meaning of Hebrew word shalom. Many are familiar with it, and the common Western definition of peace is the absence of conflict or war. But as I said, there's so much more meaning in the Hebrew world. It's taken from the root word shalom, which means to be safe in mind, body, or estate. To be safe in mind, body. It speaks of a completeness, of fullness, a type of wholeness that encourages you to give back, even as Evan was talking in uh, his little exhortation as we prepare to give our finances today. Uh, we give because God has given to us. Well, when God gives us this shalom and there's a wholeness in us, our desire will be to give back. To generously repay something in some way is what one article said. Another author states that it is God's word for wholeness and goodness and total satisfaction in life. He went on to say that this is the abundant life that Yeshua promised in Yoko 10.10 when he said, I have come to give you life and life abundantly. 
this author was describing how that life encompassed shalom from a Hebrew mindset. It's the precious gift of well-being, and it's the establishment of lasting righteous and good. And finally, one other article I was reading, this author said that the uh, webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight is what the Hebrew prophets called shalom. We call it peace, but it means far more than mere peace of mind or ceasefire between enemies. In the Bible, this author goes on to explain shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight, a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed, a state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way that things ought to be. Right? This is how God desired it. it, has to do with order that he created to be in our lives. So that gives us a little understanding of the background and the connotation of this Hebrew word that we use so frequently in the context here as a messianic congregation. So I just want to share from the scriptures four things to encourage us about the fruit of peace. The first is that peace is found in Adonai. Just as I mentioned with joy, and we'll see with all the rest of the fruit, Adonai is the source of peace. In fact, he is peace, just as he is love and just as he is joy. Romans 15.33 says, Now may the God of Shalom, the God of peace, be with you all. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, that once again, Rob Shul says, May the God of Shalom make you complete holy. May your entire spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless for the coming of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. So Rab Shaul is recognizing and expressing to these Talmudim and these different Kehilot, God is peace. He is shalom. And it is through him that you can experience true peace and shalom that will flourish in your life as a fruit of the Ruach. And that it would be evident to others who watch and see and look at your life. He also tells us that his word is a source of peace. Think of what the psalmist says in Tehillim, Psalm 119, verse 165. He says, those who love your Torah have great shalom. Who loves the Torah? Right? Who loves the word of God? If you love the word of God, you will have great shalom. Here's one of these little extra rabbit trails. If you love the word of God, that means you will devour it. That means you will read it. You will meditate. You will eagerly receive when you come to the service to hear the word of God because you love it. You will allow it to transform and change your life. Do you understand what love the word of God means? doesn't mean, oh, yeah, I like the Bible. But it means that it is part of your DNA, who you are, that you are constantly in the word. And if you and I are in the word and we love the word of God, it says we will have great can you say that with me? Great peace. All right? So if you're lacking great peace in your life, maybe step back and say, am I loving the word? And I, am, am I in the word? Am I meditating on it? Am I reading it? Am I eager to hear the messages from the rabbis? Just saying that perhaps great peace is not there because you have been ignoring the word. 
We have established this truth, but it bears repeating here. Most of these fruit flourish in our lives uh, because we are connected to God and to his word. Think about it. In the natural, we eat food to gain nutrients so that our bodies can flourish. You know, and I knew my husband was sick this week because he wasn't eating, okay? And that's unusual. Most of the time when my husband is sick, he still eats. Even in the past, when he's had the stomach things going on, he would still eat. But this week, he barely ate. I mean, he did eat a little bit, but not a lot. So I'm like, he really must not be feeling well because he's not eating. So, but we eat food, hopefully, because we want our bodies to be strong and to be healthy, right? We teach our children a lot about nutrition. As we get older, we sort of throw it out the door. Again, a little side thing, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> because as you get older, you need those, that nutrition just as much. But think about it as a, as a parent. You tell your child, eat your vegetables, right? How many adults don't eat vegetables? Just saying. Okay. Uh, but you tell them to do that. Why? Eat everything that's on your plate because you want them to grow strong and healthy and you know they need those nutrients. Well, in the same way, if we are going to bear the fruit of the Spirit, as I said last week, we have to be connected to the vine. We have to be connected to Yeshua. We have to be in the Word because it, it is through that connection that we receive what we need so that this fruit can flourish. You can't grunt and groan and make peace come in your life. Just saying. You know, you can't grunt and groan and make joy or love flow out of you. You can't go from a, a message that I'm speaking today or the last two messages or any of the rest that we'll be speaking on bearing fruit uh, in season and just go out there and say, okay, I'm going to be a joyful person. Okay, I'm going to be a loving person. Okay, I'm going to... It's not going to happen. Why? Because it's not something that you can work up on your own. These fruit are the result of your connection with the living God of Israel being tapped into the vine Yeshua and into his Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, because these are the fruit of the Spirit, and that is the only way that they could flow. So if we're not connecting to, to the, him, then these fruit are absent in our life. And friends, God wants us to be bearers of fruit. So I want to encourage you, stay connected to the vine, stay in the word of God so that these fruit can be evident in your life. Peace cannot be found in material possessions. It will not be found in a better job or a new relationship. Yet often people try to find peace in these things. Yeshua says in Yochanan 14, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world. Do you understand that? So you might get peace by a temporary uh, thing like getting a new uh, uh, possession of some sort or, again, a new job and be excited about it. You know, everything's going to be great in my life now because I have a, a raise, I have this and that, or a new relationship. But Yeshua says, the world's peace is fragile. But the peace that I give you, he says, that's perfect peace. And he goes on to say, don't yield to fear or trouble. Be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. How can we be courageous? Because we have his peace. And Yeshua wants us to have that inside of us. Which leads me to the second point this morning that ties into that verse from Yochanan 14. The fruit of peace helps us 
to overcome anxiety and worry. Yeshua says, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace, not the fragile kind of peace given by the world. Therefore, don't give in to fear or be troubled in your hearts because you have my peace, he's saying. Rav Shaul encourages us in Philippians chapter 4, in God's peace, which is far beyond human understanding, will keep your hearts and minds safe in union with Messiah Yeshua. Keep your heart and mind safe. Heart and mind represents your emotions, right? And your mental state. I have shared this on several occasions through the last year, year and a half. I am amazed about how much anxiety I see in the world today. From little kids to grown up adults. Last week before, now two weeks ago before we uh, flew out, I called the airline to talk to them about our boarding situation and things. And the gentleman on the line says to me, I suffer with anxiety, right? I remember speaking to uh, someone else. I called about a situation and was talking to this person who also told me, again, I don't know these people, uh, but had to call to discuss something and said, I suffer with anxiety. It's rampant in the world today. I've been around for a while. I never saw so many people suffering with anxiety and worry as I've seen today, and as I said, from little kids to young adults to, to grown-ups. And last year when we boarded the plane, this was a year ago when we went to, we were in Dallas last year, right? So we were getting on the plane and uh, Abigail and I sat together, Michael and Josiah sat together, so we sat down in a, in a row and there was a young girl there with us, probably Abigail's age, and five minutes into, you know, people still coming on, she called the stewardess and, and she said, uh, can I get off the plane? Is there still time to get off the plane? And, you know, the stewardess said, sure. And you could tell that she was struggling and she had like a panic attack. And that panic attack caused her to miss her plane. She couldn't stay on the plane anymore. Friends, this is, is like an epidemic that I see and the world does not have a cure to that. But God does. See, because the peace the world gives is fragile. But the peace that God gives is perfect peace. And that's why Yeshua encouraged his Talmudim and us in Yochanan and Rav Shaul in Philippians that God's peace, which is, again, far beyond human understanding, will keep your heart and mind. Keep your heart and mind. Yeshua also says in Yochanan 16, and everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience troubles and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. So here's the second time. Again, Yochanan 14, 15, 16, 17. This is a, a, a discourse of Yeshua where he is just really imparting into his Talmudim. And so we see twice how he talks about peace and talks about being courageous because of the peace that he gives us and trying to tell us that what the world has to offer will not give you true peace, but 
I will give you the peace. He said, the peace that is in me. Think about Yeshua. And he says, the peace that is in him. Who wouldn't want that peace? Amen? Look at everything that he went through on this earth. Never once is it recorded that he panicked or that he became fearful. When the Talmudim were uh, afraid because they were in the boat and Yeshua was sleeping, think about that, the great peace that he had. It's a storm, and what's he doing? Sleeping. And when they wake him up and they're panicked and, and Yeshua, we're going to die. Don't you care about us? And he looked at them. Don't you get it? You know, this peace that's in me, you too can experience. And he rebuked the storm and everything became still. That peace that is in Yeshua is the peace that should be in your heart and in my heart. And it can be as the fruit of the Spirit by staying connected to him. And when we have that fruit in us, we will not give in to, to anxiety or to worry. Yeshua understand that this world would bring us trouble. That's what he told his Talmudim there in Yochanan 16. And he realized that we would face many challenges in this world that would seek to overwhelm us. Yet he also knew that the peace in him could be in us. And that we, even though we cannot avoid stress and trouble, do you understand that? I wish I could tell you today that the peace of God means all stress will be removed from your life. It's not going to happen. I wish I could tell you the peace of God means that you'll never have service anymore. It's not going to happen. But I can tell you that the peace of God will help you not to be anxious, not to be worried, not to be overwhelmed when those troubles come your way. When the storms of life come, like Yeshua, he wasn't blown away by the storm. He was at peace. And so you and I can be at peace even when the storms come. We can't stop the storms, but we can be at peace. And that's part of the fruit of the spirit that should be evident in our life. Amen? So we need to cultivate this fruit. And once again, we cultivate it by being connected to Yeshua and to the Ruach so that this peace can grow in our lives. The next thing I want to encourage us about the fruit of peace is that it directs our hearts. Look at what Rob Shaul says in Colossians 3.15 to this Kehilah. Let the shalom which comes from the Messiah, once again reiterating where the source of shalom is, be your heart's decision maker. Let the shalom that comes from Messiah be your heart's decision maker. For this is why you were called to be part of a single body. So the Greek word used here in David Stern's translation, uh, the complete Jewish Bible of decision maker, refers originally to the activity of an umpire whose office at uh, the game was to direct and arbitrate and decide the contest. And in the wider sense, it meant to order, to rule, or to control. And what Rav Shaul and God is telling us, that the fruit of peace will guide our hearts and our thoughts. And he's telling us, don't make decisions based on circumstances around you or your emotions uh, that want to send you into a panic mode. Instead, allow the fruit of peace to control and direct your heart and to direct the circumstances. You see the difference? Here's what happens to most of us. 
a storm comes, a circumstance that we weren't expecting, we didn't cause it, right? Storms come and go, not always because we, we caused it. And now we're in the midst of the storm and we start to, start to panic. Whatever the storm may be, it could be sickness, it could be finances, it could be relational, uh, whatever. And now you're like, I have to do something about this. You know, I'm sick, I gotta do this. Uh, I don't have enough money, I better do this. Oh, this is going, not going well, I better do this. And we start to react out of all of our emotions. And what Rob Shaul is saying, that should not be your decision maker. My daughter shared last week in her Devar Torah, because I have talked a lot to my children, especially my daughter, because women tend to be a little more emotional, but my son can be emotional as well, that God has given us emotions. And we never want to deny the emotions that God has given us. And I say, I don't ever want you to you know, push down your emotions, and you can share with me and your dad whatever you want. But I do want to encourage you, don't let those emotions control you. And that's basically what Rav Shaul is saying. Your decision maker should not be your emotions. Your decision maker should not be your circumstances. Your decision maker should be the peace of God. Amen? His peace that says, yes, this is the way, walk in it. Right? It's that still small voice the prophet tells us. You will hear the still small voice saying, this is the way walk in it. See, that's what happens when we have the fruit of shalom in our lives. It directs us and it helps us to, to make the right decisions. Now, I know that this advice is not easy to do. Because like I said, when we face a crisis in our lives that needs immediate attention, it is so easy to rush in and make that decision out of our emotions or because the situation appears so desperate to us that we feel that we must act. And because we like to be in control. Who likes to be in control? Most people do. All of you do. You raise your hands. You all like to be in control. But Rob Shaul is saying, you're not in control. It's the peace of God. And the peace of God will help you to make decisions that will be so much better than your controlling, manipulative, emotional reaction to a situation or person could ever make. And so the fruit of peace will impact your life in such a powerful way in the area of decision making that you will be amazed. Because I want to tell you right now, some of you made some pretty bad decisions. Just saying. I've been there, I've made some bad decisions too. And most of the time when that decision is, I made has been bad, it's because my heart was not directed by the peace of God. I rushed in out of my emotion, out of my being overwhelmed by the circumstance and I just took the situation into my own hands and I said this is what's gonna happen and I did it and it usually created more chaos and problems than it solved. Anyone else there? Yeah, right. The fruit of peace has a totally different outcome. So God wants this fruit of peace to be evident in our life, and it will help us in our directions. How many times have you regretted a decision you made because you panicked and you reacted instead of following Adonai to direct your heart? Look at what the prophet tells us, Yeshiyahu 
Isaiah the prophet in chapter 55, verses 8 through 12. And Adonai is speaking to the prophet and to the people of Israel. And he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways, says Adonai. As high as the sky is above the earth are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For just as rain and snow fall from the sky and do not return there, but water the earth, causing it to bud and produce, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me unfulfilled, but it will accomplish what I intend and cause to succeed what I sent it to do. Yes, you will go out with joy. You will be led forth in peace. As you come, the mountains and the hills will burst out into the song, and all the trees in the countryside will clap their hands. Do you hear what Adonai is telling us? His ways are so much greater and better than ours. And when we allow his peace to guide our decisions, to direct our heart, the result is pretty awesome. I like to see some trees clap their hand. Anyone else with me, right? And the mountains and hills burst into songs. That is a picture of harmony, perfect harmony. And that's what the fruit of peace brings, perfect harmony in our life. Again, it doesn't remove the storms. It doesn't take all the service away from you, but it gives you perfect harmony in the midst of that. And finally, I want to just encourage us today that the fruit of peace directs our relationships, both with believers and non-believers. So I was reading, again, different articles about the fruit of peace. And this author stated, biblical peace is more than the cessation of hostilities, as we've already said. But he goes on to say it is harmony, safety, friendliness, and relational tranquilities. Humans are incapable of creating such conditions as five minutes viewing of any newscast will prove. Only God can establish peace in relationships. Another article stated, Shalom implies a state of mind that is satisfied and has relationships which are characterized by harmony, which is a nice sound. And he goes on to ask this author, does that describe your marriage, your family, your congregational relationships? Or would it be better to be described as cacophony, which is this discordant sound or harshness grating the ear? It's a good question to ask. You see, the fruit of peace should make our relationships to be harmonious. And it should permeate every relationship that we have, both inside the Kehillah and outside the Kehillah. So let's just look at a few verses as we close here with this point. Rav Shaul encourages the Kehillah at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Always be humble. Turn to your neighbor and say, be humble. Gentle and patient, bearing with one another in love, and making every effort to preserve the unity the Ruach gives through the binding power of shalom. Through the binding power of shalom. Unfortunately, we often do the opposite of this, and instead of beautiful harmony, there is much discord in the body and in our lives in the area of our relationships. Friends, look at me right now. 
That's not God's plan. That's God, not God's purpose. He wants harmony in every relationship that you have. He wants harmony. And the fruit of the peace will accomplish that. And from this here passage here in Ephesians, we see that walking in peace starts with humility. If you and I are both believers, then the fruit of peace should be evident in our lives and impacting the way we le relate to each other, and humility is the first step. Now, I'm not going to go a lot into humility because we're going to talk about it. It's one of the fruit of the, the Ruach, and as I said earlier, they're interrelated to one another. But here, Rav Shaul says, be humble and let the fruit of shalom impact your relationship with other people. Through this peace, I will do everything I can to protect the unity and not create discord. Do you see what Rob Shaul is saying? Make every effort. Turn to your neighbor and say, make every effort. Also, give him a tap and tell him to wake up. Okay? And you might have had a late night, but that's okay. Restore ourselves to hear the word of the Lord. Make every effort. I mean, already I feel like that's a lot of work, just in those words, make every effort. And God is saying that. You have to put hard work into protecting the unity of any relationship. But through the fruit of peace, it's possible. Not through our human efforts, but through the fruit of peace. This is a freebie. Look at me. A house divided against itself will not stand. Disunity in the kehilah, in the work situation, in a family, will bring disaster. So, Rob Shaul says, you need to do everything you can to preserve unity, and that happens through the fruit of shalom. Shalom will impact every relationship you are in if you will allow it to. We cannot give into our flesh or give excuse for why we will not do our part to preserve the unity within this congregation. Through the peace of God, I can protect. I can protect the unity of this congregation. I can protect the unity of my home and my family through the fruit of shalom in my life. And that's what Rav Shaul is encouraging us to do. In fact, Rav Shaul is telling me and you that we actually have a responsibility. It's not optional. We have a responsibility to preserve unity in our relationships. Make every effort has the connotation of being zealous about something and to work at it with great intensity. And the word preserve means to guard something so that it continues on. So we could translate this section as we must be zealous and work intensely to protect the unity that Messiah died for so it continues. Do you get it? Yeshua died so that we could be one, we could be in unity in every relationship that we have. Rav Shaul is talking here about the Kehilah, but it applies also to those outside who are not believers. The book of Messianic Jews, Hebrews 12, 14, puts it this way. Keep pursuing shalom with everyone, 
everyone. And there's that word pursuing. Again, that we have to be actively involved in this. And too often, we allow pride. That's why Rob Shul starts with humility. And again, I'm not going to get into that fruit too much because it's coming up. But too often, pride dictates our actions towards other people. And we are sources of division instead of preserving and protecting unity, whether it be in our home, at our workplace, at a congregation, in our community. And God wants you and I to know this morning that the fruit of shalom should permeate every relationship that you are in. The fruit of peace leads to us to live in harmony with others. And we are called to do whatever we can to have that harmony in the workplace with non-believers, family members, and within our community. It doesn't mean we compromise on our beliefs. That's not what Rob Shaul is saying. But we should allow the fruit of peace to rule in our relationships. And uh, a lot of us have a lot of work to do in this area. This fruit in the area of our relationships is absent. And that needs to change, friends. Needs to change. Romans 14, 19 puts it like this. So then let us pursue the things that make for shalom and mutual upbuilding. See, the fruit of peace leads me to encourage others that I am in relationship with. In fact, once again, we are told in this verse here that I should eagerly, eagerly look for the ways that I can strengthen you because I have the fruit of peace in my life. And I will pursue those things that create peace in my relationship with you. You hear what Rob Shul is saying? Create peace. Listen to me. You get two people together, and there is bound to be disagreement on a multitude of things. And if it's not uh, the main thing, which we all know what the main thing is, you know what I'm talking about? Those things, like if you ever go through a membership class, you're told these are the things we will not compromise on, right? Yeshua is the only way, the blood of the lamb, you know, the other different things are, are, are scriptural beliefs, theological beliefs. But you will hear, but on other things, we may not come to agreement. And that's okay. We should still be able to walk in harmony and in peace, even if we don't agree on every single thing. Main things, we're not going to compromise. This is what the Word of God says. There's only one way. That's the big main thing. Yeshua is the way, the truth, and the life. No one, there's no salvation in any other name except his name, and we will never, ever compromise on that truth. This congregation will not, as long as my husband and I are its leaders. There's only one way, and it's Yeshua. You can come here every week and say, if you don't have Yeshua in your heart, if you've not surrendered your life to him, you're just occupying the seat, and we're grateful for that, but you need to make that decision so that you can experience true peace. That connection can happen for you. But in other areas, I'm okay if you don't agree with me. You may not like the color of tablecloths we put on upstairs. Okay. And you laugh, but congregations have split over things like that. Seriously, the color of rugs and things like that. And maybe if you were doing the ushers, you would do it a little different than Evan does. Or if you were leading Junior Shabbat, you would do it different than I, or Adeline in the nursery, or, or various different things around. And that's fine, because we do approach things differently. 
but I'm not going to allow those things to create discord between me, recognizing that you're different than I, and your approach to handling or tackling a problem might be different than mine, and that's okay. But too often, in the body of Messiah, it's not okay. And we create discord because we think our way is the best way. I want to tell you, your way is one way. My daughter was helping me cut up some things for the craft downstairs. Look at the kids' craft. It's a beautiful craft this week, I think. It came out nice. It's, it's a collar plate. So we had to make, because I couldn't find confetti, so we had to make our own confetti. So I you know, was cutting it one way, and she said, I'll help you. I said, okay. She said, I'm going to do it this way. I'm like, well, no, that's not how I do it. Well, this is how I want to do it. And I'm like, okay. You know, so the first reaction was, well, that's not how I'm doing it. But I recognized immediately, so what? It's not how you're doing it. So there was an opportunity that I could have pressed my way of cutting the tissue paper because <laughs> I had done it all last night, right? And now I needed more. And so you have to do it my way. But I immediately recognized, who cares how she cuts the tissue paper, right? But it's those types of things that we often get into disagreement with other people in the body Messiah, at the workplace, and even in our families because we're not letting the fruit of shalom rule in our hearts and direct our interaction with one another. And God wants that to change. He wants us to bear these fruit in our life. Again, as believers, the fruit of peace should permeate every area of our life, our emotions, our decisions, and our relationships. And I'm going to close with this verse here from 2 Thessalonians 3.10. Now may the Lord himself, the Lord of peace, pour into you his shalom in every circumstance, in every way possible, that the Lord's tangible presence be with you all. And that is my prayer for you as we close our service today. May the God of peace pour his peace into you in every circumstance and in every way that his tangible presence is with you. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to close with the ironic benediction, but uh, we want to uh, pray with anyone who has a need here. So I'm going to ask those who pray normally, uh, Gary Myrna, Adeline, Rena Evan, who, if you're available, to come up to pray with me. I want to tell you, if you have a need here, something that is on your heart, even if it's not related to the message, I want to encourage you, don't leave without getting prayer, okay? Uh, prayer is powerful. Prayer works. And to have someone come into agreement with you uh, is really a, a good thing to do. So uh, sometimes we're a little lax in praying. Yeah, come on down, guys. Uh, but we want to try to be more consistent in having prayer available. And if you're good to go, have a great Shabbat day. You know, those who signed up for the couples will come back at 7 o'clock tonight. Otherwise, we'll see you on, on Wednesday for our trekking through the Torah. But if you have a situation that just is weighing you down or you just need someone to pray with you, we just want to be here to do that with you. So let me just close with the ironic benediction. 
May the shalom of God rule and reign in your hearts. B'shem Yeshua. Amen. God bless you. If you're visiting today, make sure you give that visitor card into one of our ushers. And if you have any need for prayer, please come down. We'd love to, uh, to pray with you today. God bless.